0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Ermos weekly verse-by-verse Bible teaching. Join us now as Pastor David leads us through Romans chapter 11, verses 16 through 22, teaching us about Israel and the olive tree. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. This morning we're looking at Romans chapter 11, verses 16 through 25, as we continue our journey through the cathedral Of Christian truth, and the past couple weeks, you know, the the theme of Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, is God's plan for Israel. He has not forsaken them. There's a belief out there called replacement theology that says that the church has replaced Israel. Well, we're going to see it clearly in Romans chapter 11. I'm going to let God's word speak for itself so that that you see it, but we're going to see very clearly in the very last verse of our passage that God is not done with Israel. He's put them on the shelf temporarily, but one day he's going to turn his attention back to the nation of Israel. So um, turn with me in your Bibles, Romans chapter 11, and let's read the passage, and then we'll dive into the teaching. Romans chapter 11, verse 16, if you dare, there, say amen. amen. All right, Romans eleven sixteen. if the first piece of the dough is holy, the lump is also, and if the root is holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for, your, for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold, then, the kindness and severity of God to those who fail severity, but to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. Now, as we see in the passage this morning, the olive tree is what? It's a symbol of Israel. It's a symbol of Israel. The, uh, the very first mention of, of, the olive, of the olive branch is in uh, Genesis chapter 8, where what happened? The, um, the dove came back to Noah, and it says it had a branch, but not just any branch. The text says it had an olive branch. So the olive branch has become a symbol of of Israel's relationship with the Lord. How much do you know about the olive tree? Most people just think, well, it's just a tree. What I wanna do this morning to open up my my teaching is I wanna teach you a little bit about the olive tree. According to smithsonian.com, the olive tree is the strongest and most iconic tree in the world. They live to be up to 2,000 years old. These trees last forever. And, and the older they get, the more gnarly the trunk gets. They produce these tiny fruits called olive. They're bitter until they're cured, and then we like them on our pizza and our salads. The olives, they're really, they're really tasty. The olive inside them produces an oil for cooking and lighting. The oil from the olive was used to make anointing oil, and it still is used to make anointing oil. The oil from the olive was used to anoint kings in the Bible. And and the oil from the olive, the symbology in in the scripture is the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's anointing in the life of the kings and our life, him coming in us and coming over us. The olive olive tree leaves, as I said a while ago in Genesis chapter 8, that was what the dove brought back to Noah. In, in the ark to first show that there was life on earth again. The olive tree leaves have become a symbol of peace. The national emblem for Israel, it has the menorah lined with what? The olive leaves going down the sides. The olive tree has become a symbol of Israel's relationship with God. Lots of meaning, so much meaning that I don't know if I could squeeze it all into the message this morning, But we're going to go through this passage we're going to see what it says but there's a lot to be studied in bible study about the olive tree in israel amen so with that said let's pray and we'll, we'll dig into romans chapter 11. father god thank you for your word lord now as we go through it um deepen our faith in you um strengthen our faith strengthen our trust strengthen our devotion and and strengthen our obedience. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All right, Romans chapter 11, verse 16 says this. If the first piece of the dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive. Now the first thing I wanna show you here in this text is we have three metaphors. We have the root, the branches, and the wild olives. So let's establish who those are. The root is is the faith of the patriarchs, of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And it says here that the root is holy. The root is holy. In other words, they laid the foundation for believers when it comes to faith, trust, and obedience. But the root is the patriarchs, the founders of Israel. The branches are Israel, but what does it say about the branches? It says they were broken off. Why were they broken off? Because they rejected grace. They rejected the Messiah. They rejected Jesus. And then we have finally the wild olive. The wild olive, who is that? That's you and me. That's believers, that's Christians, that's Gentile, non-Jewish believers, the Gentiles, that's us. But notice what God does for us in verse 17. Look at verse 17. It says, we've been grafted in among them and become partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Of the rich root of the olive tree. Now, to give you a picture of this, I wanna take you back to what this looked like in the natural world. For an ancient Middle Eastern farmer, there was two types of trees. There was a desirable olive tree and then there was the wild olive tree, the desirable olive tree. It was strong, it was healthy, it was planted in good soil, it was, it was beautiful. And the best thing about it all is it produced this luscious, yummy olive. That was the ultimate test. So those were the olive trees that they desired and they wanted. But throughout the vineyard and throughout the land, there would always be wild olives. Wild olive trees, were weak, fragile, they were planted in sandy soil, there was no nutrients in the ground, there was little or no fruit, and basically a wild olive, a wild olive tree was worthless. It was worthless. For most, time, most times, farmers would just cut them down and throw them in the fire because they wouldn't, they wouldn't do them no good. That was the most logical thing to do. But there was a problem with that. The problem with just cutting it down and starting over is it takes an olive tree three to five years to mature. So if they cut it down, start over, they gotta wait three to five years. Do you think a farmer wants to do that? No, no. So what would they do? They would graft. They would graft wild olive branches into the desirable trees. And if you haven't ever seen it before, it's a really cool process. They go in there, they peel back the bark, they take the branch from the wild olive, they sharpen it and they stick it inside of, uh, of the olive, olive branch and over and then they wrap it up in tape, make sure it, it draws nutrients from the branch and it produces a desirable olive branch. It goes from being unfruitful to fruitful. It becomes fruitful. And in God's eyes, let's switch over to the spiritual now, to how he sees us talking about scripture. In God's eyes that the desirable olive tree is the faith of the patriarchs. Is the faith of, of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. Now, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect faith. But, but, but it's a devoted faith, despite their mistakes. They're strong in faith. They're strong in trust. And they were strong in obedience. Yeah, Abraham had, had his lapses, but he came back to his senses and did the right thing and put his faith and put his trust in the Lord. But they had a deep, deep faith that went beyond just believing. It went beyond just belief, but it went into the things of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 21. You know, I could talk about all the different things they'd done, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I found this amazing text in Hebrews chapter 11 that summarizes this exact thing, the faith of the patriarchs. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. This passage right here in Hebrews, it summarizes the faith of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what I want to do this morning, I just want to talk to you about a few things from this text right here and challenge you to go deep, to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord, go deeper in your relationship with God, to be grounded and firm in your Christianity, in your walk with Christ. The first thing we see in this passage is with Abraham, what do we see? He was tested. A strong faith is tested. You know, our faith after you get saved, after you begin walking with Christ, your faith needs to be tested through the trials, through tribulations, through the storms. So when those things come, let them serve their purpose, which is test your faith and strengthen your faith. It's once we've gone through the storms, once we've gone through the hard times and our faith has been tested, then we see what? The real genuineness of our faith. So it needs to be real, it needs to be tested, just like Abraham's was tested when he he took Isaac up on the hill to sacrifice him, knowing that God would provide a lamb. Second thing we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 21, is this this, um, strong faith, this strong trust, this obedience is seen in that we share it and we pass it down. We see that both here in this text with Isaac and Jacob. They shared it and passed it down. A deep faith where our roots go deep, we pass it down. We pass it down to our children, we pass it down to our loved ones, we pass it down to the people around us, amen? That's a deep faith, that's the faith of the patriarchs. They didn't just hold it in, but they shared it with others. Today, 2017, When we share the gospel with people, when we share with people God's love, God's grace, God's truth, God's holiness, God's righteousness, we share it. We let other people give other people the good news and affect those around us. Thirdly, in in the faith of the patriarchs, we see it in in Jacob in verse 21 here, is, uh, is faithful to the end. A deep Rooted faith, the faith of the patriarchs, the faith that we're called to have in believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a faith to the end. It's faithful to the end. Man, I have made up my mind. I have decided to follow Jesus, and I'm going all the way. That's where God wants you. That's where God wants your heart, and He wants your mind to be determined and focused. Man, I'm going to do this through the end. No matter what storms come, no matter what curveballs come, I'm going to be faithful to the end. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to weather the storms. When things are happening in my family that I don't want, when things are happening in this world I don't want, I'm going to be faithful to the end. Determination, that's where he wants us. And finally, we see in verse 21, it's a faith that worships. It's a faith that lives a life of worship and devotion to God. Worship is, doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. Worship is how we live our lives, how we, how we live our lives. And we set that example for, for, for other people that our worship attracts people to want to become a Christian. It attracts people to want to serve the Lord. And I love what verse 21 says. I, as I was reading this, this is what kept coming to me this week as I was, as I was reading this. In verse 21, it says, uh, it says, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worship. It says, leaning on the top of his staff. He was faithful to the end. He was worshiping. And I can't help but to think of my grandfather. My, my, my grandfather just, every, I, I lived with my grandparents for like four or five years um, in my early years. And I, I just remember every single night without fail, hearing my grandpa kneel down beside his bed, literally, kneeling down on one knee, hands bowed, and calling out to the Lord, saying his evening prayers, and you could hear it throughout the whole house. If you weren't asleep, or if you weren't into a deep sleep, he might wake you up a little bit, but he worshiped the Lord. He set an example, even in his his latter years, for me, that is still impacting me today. And you and I are called to do the same thing in our faith, with our children, with everyone around us. The faith, the faith of the patriarchs, remember we said the root is the patriarchs. The faith of the patriarchs is deep. It's deep and it's rich. And it's not just for the patriarchs, it's for you and for me, amen? Amen, Amen. let's do it guys. Let's go deep into the things of God and let's just live our lives for his glory, amen? Okay, now, the wild, in the verse here, let's go back to uh, Romans chapter 11. uh, The wild olive tree, who is the wild olive tree? The wild olive tree is you and I, before we come to Christ. You and I, before we come to Christ. We're weak, we're fragile, we're tossed to and fro by the world. We have no meaning, we have no purpose, We're not grounded and there's no sense of purpose. We don't know what we're here for because we're separated from the Lord. The wild olive tree, we're worthless before we come to Christ. We're worthless. We're like dead, we're like dead dry limbs. But check this out. How many of you, uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verses one and two talks about this. It talks about God grafting us in by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 15, one and two says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. The first thing that happens when a person comes to Christ, he cuts you away from the world He cuts you away from the things of the world. He begins the process of breaking you free from that old olive branch, that old olive tree. He starts breaking you free from bondage as you move forward in your relationship with Christ. And then what does he do? John 15, Jesus, he grafts us in by our faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ, by our faith in his cross, in his resurrection, in him alive today, by our faith in him, he grafts us in and he gives us new life. He gives us new life. But check this out, because in our culture today, it's all about, well just, it's all about beliefs sometimes, about creeds and, and, and formulas, and, but it's more than just a mental belief in our heads about who God is, it's a heart. It's a heart commitment. It's a heart commitment that causes us to, to grow. Because why? Because we're the olive branch. We're the wild olive planted in the desirable tree and we start growing. And we start growing because we're receiving the nutrients of God by the Holy Spirit, by uh, the Word of God, by um, coming and having fellowship. It causes it causes us to grow. And then, according to verse 17, I know we're parked here for a little while, but I want to I make sure I drive it home and you understand it. But in verse 17, it says that we're partakers of them of the rich root by our faith, our trust, and our obedience. That's where God wants us. That's, 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 where, that's where God wants us. And look at verse 18. Um, there's a warning here. There's a warning against pride and arrogance. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. Talking about toward the branches that were broken off towards Israel, the Jewish nation. Uh, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. We're called not to be arrogant, but to be humble and to be thankful for God's word given to us through the nation of of, of Israel. We're called to be thankful for Israel. We're called to pray for Israel. We're called to support Israel in everything we say and do. And you know, if you ever look at a global map, you look how much land is on the planet, and you look at Israel, such a little tiny piece of land, but such a major, major impact. We need to be praying for them like nobody's business. In the land of Israel today, they, they estimate, uh, since like 1950, the, um, the population of Jews living in Israel has increased tenfold. And today, there are over five million Jews in the Holy Land. The, 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 bad, the sad thing about it, the, the bad, thing, bad news about it is, there's five million of them in the Holy Land but they're surrounded by over 100 million people who don't like them. So they need our prayers and our support you know, in, everything, in everything we do, you know, whether we give financially, whether we pray for them, we support them, we stand up for them, and that's where we need to be when it comes to the, uh, the nation of Israel. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 19 and 20. You will say then, the branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by faith. He says, do not be conceited, but fear. In other words, he's saying, yeah, this is awesome, and we love this relationship, and this is amazing what has happened because of their rejection of the Messiah. God has turned his attention to, to the, the Gentile world. But he says, what is he saying here? Don't get cocky. Don't get cocky and remember your roots. Stay humble And support them and pray for them. Because one day God's going to turn his attention back to the nation of Israel as we'll see in the last verse this morning. He says here, he says, um, verse 20, do not be conceited. That word conceited, some of your versions may say arrogant. Do not be arrogant. But stay humble. Stay humble before the Lord and serve him and pray for them. I like what the NLT, the, the New Living Translation, if you have that out there, It says, don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. But fear what could happen. He cut them off because of their unbelief. And let me tell you something, as we're gonna see as we continue in this passage, unbelief has consequences for today too. Verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, here it is, for if God did not spare the natural branches, Talking about Israel. He will not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who fell it was rough. It was, it was rough. The, 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 the Jewish nation was destroyed in 70 A.D. by Titus and the Romans. Israel was wiped off the planet. There was no more Israel from 70 A.D. to May 14th of 1948. For almost 2,000 years, they didn't exist. And now they're back on the scene. Hallelujah. Verse 22. Behold in the kindness and severity of God. To those who fail, severity. It was rough. But to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise, you also will be cut off. Why was Israel cut off? Because of their unbelief. Their, Their unbelief. They didn't believe the one who said i am the way the truth and the life i am the bread of life no one comes to the father except by me they rejected it in unbelief and there's a warning there's a warning for us today i believe in eternal security you know if you receive jesus christ as your lord and savior man you're set lock cock ready to rock and you're good to go Okay, but at the same time, in the Bible, I see warnings to Christians. This says, "Hey, protect your heart from unbelief. Protect your heart from unbelief. Guard against it." And what does it say in verse twenty-two? Otherwise, you will be cut off also. So there's a warning. Hebrews three twelve says, "Take care, brethren." That there not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. There's a warning. How do we keep our hearts from falling away in unbelief? By doing exactly what we're doing right now getting in to the Word of God, getting into the Bible. Not just having it on the shelf, but digging in and treasuring it for all the glory and all the amazing information that's in it. How do we keep ourselves from having an unbelieving heart? Fellowship. You need to be on church on Sunday mornings. It's got nothing to do with legalism. It's got nothing to do with, well, that's where I need to be. You need to be rubbing shoulders. You need to be saying, hey, Robert, how was your week? How's things going at Pyramid Contracting? You know, you need to be having fellowship with brothers. There's something powerful as, as we come together and, and we talk and we form relationships and we have conversations. That it protects our hearts from falling into unbelief. Worship. Spending time in worship. Not just on Sunday morning. Man. Pop your headphones on. Put some worship music on going down the road and get your worship on. Spend time in Worship. Spend time in prayer. Spend time daily. You know, some people want to spend two hours a day in the Word. Some people will only spend ten minutes a day in the Word. I'm not going to tell you how much time, but spend some time. Carve some time out of your morning, midday, or evening, and spend some time in the Word. Because what does it do? It protects our heart from unbelief, and it keeps our hearts full of faith. And it just, it keeps us in that safe place. You want to be in that safe place? Spiritually speaking, those are the things we do. Verse 23, and they also, if they did not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Now, throughout all time, even in the first century, they were kind of cut off nationally. No person from the first century till now is outside the realm of God's grace. Whether they're Jewish or, or Gentile, whether they're living in the third century, the fourth century, the 12th century, wherever, living today, God's grace is always available to all of us, Jew or Gentile, to call, to call on him and to receive him as their Lord and Savior. To to receive God's grace. The cure, the cure for unbelief is faith, honesty, and sincerity before the Lord. You know, you don't have to know it all, but you just have to come to a place and say, God, I need you. I need you now. And, And Lord Jesus, I'm trusting in you. And open your heart and be transparent and be real before him don't make it just a religious prayer but make it a spiritual prayer say God I need you more than anything fall before him and be desperate for who he is and his power and him coming into your life and he will he will verse 24 for if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? We have the olive tree, the trunk, and the branches. Some branches have been cut off because of their unbelief. They rejected the Messiah. We, the Gentiles, have been grafted in. But check this out. One day, those branches are going to come back. Those, those branches are going to come back. And in, in verse 24, it says, the wild olive tree, we are, are, are the, uh, the wild olive trees, and we've received a new heart because we have been grafted in. We have been grafted in to God's system, to the biblical system. But one day, one day, the branch will, the branch will return. Look at uh, verse 25. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. The fullness of the Gentiles, that's the church age. The church age will culminate with the rapture where Christ returns and then the world will go through the great tribulation and that is God turning his attention back to his chosen people, the nation of Israel. For 2,000 years, there was a um, a theology that that developed called replacement theology. And I understand why the replacement theology basically says that the the church has replaced Israel. And but we see in scripture, as we see right there, that the church has not replaced Israel. But men came up with that because for almost 2,000 years, there was no Israel. It's called replacement theology, but it's not, what, it's not the summary of chapter nine, 10, and 11. To say that the, uh, the church has is replaced Israel, you've got to rip out of your Bible, Romans chapter nine, 10, and 11. He still has a plan for them. Notice in verse 25, it says, for I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed. Some of your translations say, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are four, don't be ignorant. In, in the New Testament. I, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, but there's four, don't be ignorant, don't be uninformed verses in the New Testament. And the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It talks about spiritual gifts. It says, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are for the body of Christ to minister to the body of Christ. Secondly, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11, Satan schemes. There is, a real de- there is a real Satan out there and there are real demons that want to take you down. And what do you got to do? You got to put on the full armor of God and you got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight in your, real, you gotta fight in your, in your faith. You have got to fight because you're in a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. It's third one, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, which we'll be talking more about this next week, is uh, don't be ignorant about the rapture. Jesus Christ will return. He will come again. And Paul says, "I do." In First Thessalonians four thirteen, he says, "Don't be ignorant." About it. And then finally, the fourth one we see in verse twenty five this morning, of, of your Bible that you're looking at, in eleven verse twenty five it says, "God is not finished with Israel. God is not finished with them. He will turn his attention back to his chosen people one day after after the church age, after the rapture, he will turn his attention back to them." What do we take? What do, we, what do we apply to our lives? What's the application for, for 2017? God wants you to go deep in your faith, just like the patriarchs. Remember, you were an olive branch, and the Lord Jesus Christ, by your faith in him, he has grafted you into the tree. And now it's time to receive of that nutrients and to grow and to, and to go from belief to experience to go from a little branch who knows just a little bit about the Bible, maybe you know just the elementary truths of Christian faith, he wants you to go deeper and deeper and grow in your relationship with Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what God is calling us to, is to go deeper. Is to go deeper. Next week, we will um, finish up Romans chapter 11 and uh, Lord willing, we're looking at the signs of the times. As we close up Romans chapter 11, we're going to see God turning his attention back to the nation of Israel. And um, we'll be looking at the, uh, the Antichrist, um, the, what the Bible says about the, uh, the rapture of the church, and God turning his attention back to those people. We all would agree God is faithful, right? Yes. God is faithful. Well, guess what? He's faithful to them too. He's faithful to that Jewish nation. And so as a church, we pray for them, we support them. And we love them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in Romans chapter 11. Lord, uh, help us not to be conceited. Help us not to be arrogant. Help us not to be prideful. But help us to be faithful. To be faithful. To be faith-filled in our relationship with you. Um, Help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to uh, encourage one another. Help us to protect our hearts from unbelief. Help us, God, to be solid believers as we grow deeper in your word and deeper in our relationship with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts. And uh, fill us afresh and anew. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening with us. We hope this message has been a blessing to you today. We pray you too will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and be saved. If you would like to join us during our Sunday service, we meet at 10 a.m. at 110 Hunter's Village Drive in Irmo. If you would like to talk to a pastor or are in need of pastoral counseling, feel free to call us at 803-917-8792.